my voice just broke. You are listening yeah. to the Quarter to Three Games Podcast. I have just hit puberty. My name is Tom Chick, and my game of the week is not Uncharted 3 Drake's Deception. Oh. I'm Jason McMaster, and my game of the week is not, believe it or not, Uncharted 3. No, I'm just kidding. Uh, my game of the week is not Blood Bowl Legendary Edition. Mm. <clears throat> I'm Jeff. My game of the week is not Ultima 7 Part 2 The Serpent Isle. That's just oh. mean. That is so mean. <laughs> Poor Serpent Isle. Uh, now, Jeff, some folks might know you by a different name. Yeah. Shall I out you or shall you out yourself? You can do it. Now, when I say this name, I think a lot of folks will recognize it as one of the bosses you fight in Metal Gear Solid 3, Sons of Snake. Lots of folks know you as Sapper Gopher. Yeah, and that is what it's supposed to be kind of a play on, the stupid boss names from uh, the first Metal Gear Solid game. Oh, I totally thought, oh, wow. I, I had no idea I was actually going to hit that one on the nose. Yeah, <laughs> it's like, you know, if you've, you probably, I don't know if you played it, but like they have these sort of code names or nicknames like, uh, what was it, Sniper Wolf, Vulcan Raven, Decoy Octopus. So, you know, my name's just kind of supposed to be a silly take on that. Well, you know what, Jeff? You actually you pegged it perfectly because without any help, without any prompting, that's exactly what I thought of. So well played. Uh, by the way, the, the go-to ridiculous Metal Gear Solid name for me, of course, everyone has their own pick. Mine would have to be Revolver Ocelot. That's uh, mine, too. That was gonna... <laughs> I guess that is kind of stupid. <laughs> uh, Sapper Gopher also makes me think of... Uh, you know, there's that that Disney Robin Hood where Robin Hood is a fox. I think Maid Marian is a fox, and like Little John is a yeah. a bear. Uh, I would figure that Sapper Gopher might be one of the merry men in that Disney Robin yeah. Hood. I remember seeing that. It's been a long time though. It makes you know, me think of myth. Myth. Yeah, didn't they have sappers in that? Oh well, sappers are an actual thing, Jason McMaster. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, no, no, myth, the game myth, like right, by, right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't know that they were gophers. They could be well, wrong. No. But, uh... <laughs> uh, so, Jeff, you uh, and I, we have something in common. We live in Southern California. Uh, however, I've been here longer than you. So just in the course of recording this podcast, if you have any questions about Southern California, let me know. Uh, okay. Uh, now, you've been here, you said, a couple of years. Uh, you live in San Diego. Where did you come to San Diego from? Um, last city I lived in was Las Vegas, uh, you know, and uh, I quit my job there and found a job out here. Uh, the software market isn't so great in Las Vegas. Mm-hmm. Uh, and how have how would you characterize your past couple of years in San Diego? Uh, much pretty good. Uh, probably job wise, it's a big improvement over what I had in Las Vegas, um, and so jobs definitely better. And I guess I like the city better too overall. Now, when I think of folks moving to San Diego, I just have this picture in my head that anyone who moves to San Diego is immediately issued a surfboard. Is that true or not? Uh, I wasn't, I don't, I'm, they must have mixed mine up because I wasn't issued one, but I know people at work who surf, but it seems like you have to ask, they would also have to issue a wetsuit because if you want to surf year-round. The waters are pretty cold out here. I mean, it looks idyllic, but uh, I, I go diving sometimes, and I know from experience that water might look nice, but you get in it, 
especially this time of year, and uh, it's not very pleasant. Uh, yeah, yeah. I figure maybe you could surf in your swimsuit maybe on one of those 100-plus days. Yeah, yeah. It's no Hawaii, we'll say. Yes. Uh, now, so maybe you weren't issued a surfboard, but I understand you were issued a volleyball. Is that correct? Was this a state-mandated thing that you play volleyball? Uh, I don't know, but I, I do it from out of my own volition anyways. Uh, at the I took I took some classes and I've gone down to Mission Beach to play some games. It's uh, fun. I got uh, you know when you play volleyball, you just it just makes you feel no, no matter how fast you are, it makes you feel really slow because uh, <laughs> you, you're I feel like you're just always too slow to get the ball. I don't know now. I don't know how much you know about physics. You're a programmer, so you probably know some of this stuff. But anytime you are interacting with a ball, I think you're asking for trouble. I say this as a guy who's attempted it many times. I, I want to give you a little uh, geometry information, Jeff, and you may or may not find this helpful. But one of the characteristics of a curved surface, like a ball or a curve or an arc or something like that, is that it has infinite points. That's, uh-huh. that's a mathematical fact. You can look that up on Wikipedia, and it will tell you If it that. wasn't blacked out right now. Right. Today you cannot, but go tomorrow, and Wikipedia can back me up on what I'm telling you. Now, when something has infinite points and you're trying to knock it somewhere with your wrist, that therefore means it can go in an infinite number of directions. Right. So, therefore, it's a, it's a fool's game to try to influence the direction in which a ball will travel. I don't, I don't see how it's possible. Uh, do you know how to calculate the moment of force? Uh, well, that's that's something. Well, I took like two, I took like uh, two semesters of physics for engineers. It's like intro to classical and electromagnetics. So I just remember that was something real important. Moment of force. Now, how has that served you in volleyball? Not very well. Oh. <laughs> uh, no, actually, I have. I do have to applaud you. Like when you say you go down to Mission Beach and you play, like do you, are, do you just play with random people? Because uh, uh, that seems a, like it, it would take a little bit of courage. Well, I had a group that we kind of we just kind of took an open court uh, for okay. for serve. It kind of fell apart, but you know, I might find try and find another group. I've also met people through class uh, volleyball class. Uh, now, is this also true? When you play volleyball, it's going to hurt the dickens out of your wrists, like where you hit the ball. Uh, yeah, a little, a little swollen to begin with, but I don't mind. It's nothing for me. I don't, I don't do a lot of physical activity. Right. So your wrists can take it. Yeah, yeah you, you see your capillaries burst in the wrists when you start playing. Okay, so, so Jeff, I want you and I now to play a game called Let's Stump Jason McMaster. Okay. We are going to ask him quizzes, because I don't know if you know this about me. I'm pretty accomplished at volleyball myself, but only only on the Nintendo 64, a game oh. called uh, Beach Spikers. Uh, that was on the GameCube, wasn't it? GameCube, yes, yes, thank you. Uh, oh. But it, it'll also it'll run on the Wii. Like It's one of the few Wii games that, that – one of the few GameCube games that I keep out for the Wii, and it's the reason that there are still four GameCube controllers in my living room, is ah. four-player Beach Spikers. So – I know a thing or two about volleyball. Let's you and I alternate asking Jason McMaster volleyball questions and see who can stump him first. No, this won't be hard. <laughs> All right, so, so Jeff, why don't you start? You know what? I'll start. I'll start with, with a fairly easy one, and we'll ramp it up, and then, then the gloves will be off. So here we go, Jeff. I'll start. So Jason V. McMaster, mm-hmm. how many points does it take to win a volleyball game? Isn't it something like... 21. 
I think that's right. That is what it is in Beach Spikers. I believe, you know, you can set it to different things, but well, I believe right. I you have to be like a certain is. point amount over some over the other team, though, don't you? You know what it sounds to me, McMaster, like I have not stumped you. Like you actually have any <laughs> about this. So therefore, therefore, first round is passed. Jeff, over to you. Try to stump Jason V. McMaster with a volleyball question. Okay, what does rally scoring mean? Oh, you're screwed now, McMaster. Rally scoring isn't that when you are. Isn't it like game point and you win? I mean, or not win, but get a point? I mean, I have no idea, so that's just a guess. <laughs> McMaster, don't don't confess that you have no idea. You're playing wrong. <laughs> oh, well, I know exactly what it is. <laughs> Was he close? Will that pass muster, Jeff? No. I don't, I don't, I'm not sure. I don't think so. It's like, it's like if your side out is you only get a point on, on your serve if they screw up. Rally scoring is whenever your side drops the ball, they get the point. Yeah, McMaster, I think we're a little uh, bit out of our element here. I think Jeff... Okay, I got you. <laughs> no, yeah, so it, it's like it's like if somebody misses their shot instead of having somebody slam it in there. Yeah, it's like in, in the opposite of rally scoring, side-out scoring, you can, only, you can only score on your serve. You have to be serving, and they have to drop it on their side. Okay. And rally scoring is like the opposite. So, and I, I don't know much about volleyball, but I heard like... The AVP went bankrupt or something, so like, there's not someone to really codify all this stuff anymore. I don't know. That's where Tom comes in. Aliens versus Predator. Oh yeah. Yeah, yes. I, I know all about the AVP. Uh, so Jeff, you, congratulations, you have won this podcast's first round of Stump Jason McMaster. We will have at least two more rounds of that game in this podcast later on. Oh God. <laughs> so, so Jeff currently in the lead. Uh, and I, I prefer Bruce Reynolds to the zombies. <gasps> First of all, wait a minute. Uh, please repeat what you just said, Jeff. I prefer our, I prefer the SWAT team or whatever it is. No, no, no. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I can run back the tape if you need me to. I just want you to say word for word what oh, you God. what you just said. I prefer. I would, I would take Bruce Reynolds over the zombies or whatever it was. Uh, Jeff, Jeff, that I just don't even want to say anything because I, I believe there are plenty of listeners who are amused to no end at what you have just said. I want to thank you for that precious gift, and yes. I just I kind of want to move on from there. <laughs> that was beautiful, Jeff. I appreciate uh, the vote, though, Jeff. I really do. <laughs> Uh, yeah, McMaster's definitely winning that vote. I don't know what's oh, wrong with people. I, I think you not? You know, I think there might be some uh, zombie weariness, like afflicting gamers, and I don't, I don't understand where that comes from. How can, how can you be tired of zombies? I don't know. I was never a big zombie fan to begin with. Well, there you go. I guess if it wasn't your bag in the first place, uh, Jeff. Can I ask you roughly how old you are? Like, are you under or over forty? Under. Under. Yeah. So I'm, I'm guessing maybe zombies. For those of us who were freaked out as kids by George Romero, maybe that's part of it. Maybe you have to have been traumatized by them when they were still novel novelties. Yeah. I'm, kind of, I'm kind of too chicken to watch horror movies, too. Well, there's that as well, if you're not into yeah. horror in the first place. Uh, all right, so, uh, Jeff, let's let's get into Well, actually, before we get into our, our format, I'm a little fascinated by your background. Where were you born, and why on earth would you leave there and go where you went? Uh, I was born in Little Rock, but mm. my my parents joined the military shortly after I was born, so they moved all over the place. So I, I don't think I think they moved like a year after I was born, so I didn't grow up there at all. 
So and, uh, I like to say, uh, Archie born but not bred. <laughs> and I am, by the way, the opposite, uh, in that I was born in Texas. We moved around a lot, eventually spent most of my childhood in Arkansas. Uh, but you also, you mentioned you, you a lot of the time you spent were, was in towns in, in Texas, you said? Yeah, kind of not consecutively, but first Lubbock, later like San Antonio, when kind of like right just before I started high school, and then later Austin when I was going to college for uh, undergrad. That sounds like an awesome part. If you're going to be in Texas, that sounds like the way to do it. Yeah, yeah Austin's pretty great. Yeah. yeah. Uh, and then also you said you were in high school in Colorado. Yeah, three years. What uh, was that like? Uh, not bad. Uh, kind of cold. cold. Mm-hmm. I, there was like a blizzard where we got three days off because the snow was so deep. And like uh, if, I, if I'd had a snowmobile at the time, I could have like driven down to the interstate on that snowmobile. Man. Uh, did you do any snow-themed stuff when you were there? Cause you see- yeah. I learned to ski at a place called like uh, Wolf Creek near the Continental Divide, and I also rid some snowmobiles. What is the worst skiing-related injury you sustained? Bruise, if that at all. <laughs> okay, pretty good. Because, you know, it could be far worse when you tussle with gravity like that. Yeah. I don't know if you know this. There are no brakes on a pair of skis. Yeah. You can pl- you can snow plow. It seemed- I tried snow boarding once and like it seems like it's actually harder to come to a complete stop on a snowboard yeah i wouldn't recommend that uh you know what although i've done a fair bit of it in amped oh that's my yes. well, sure <laughs> uh, and also of course ssx uh, yes i played one of those that was pretty good fun uh all right so let's move on to our format jason v mcmaster they keep are. in mind there will be at least two more attempts to stump you on this podcast that's What's said, weird is that you actually got my initial this time. No, that is not your real middle initial. Oh, actually, you know what? I did know that. Yeah, for Van. Yeah, yeah. Uh, did I say Bruce Reynolds? I think I meant Burt Reynolds. Now he finds uh, it. Yeah, that was it. Sorry, I was, un- I was under pressure. <laughs> that, was a, that was a beautiful thing, and I just want... I Yeah, I, I really loved that, Jeff. Thank you. <laughs> uh, I was thinking of Bruce Campbell for a second. That was... Uh... <laughs> it's sort of like a combination. Yeah, exactly. If you were to cross Bruce Campbell and Burt Reynolds, you would get Bruce Reynolds. That makes perfect sense. Yeah. Well, Bruce Campbell's more important, to, more relevant to zombies, isn't he? Yes, very much so. Unless you count Stroke Race. Uh. Uh, so, Bookmaster, what are what is the format uh, this week? Why don't you talk folks through that? All right, our format this week will be we'll be picking our favorite news, posts, and games of this week. Mm, yes. And uh, I suggest we go ahead and get it out of the way and start with news, because it's going to be hard really? to avoid oh. any, or, well, to, yeah, I mean, my news of, you know, is, is SOPA, because it's always my news. But uh, I couldn't really find anything else. Oh, I got something for you boys. Uh, All right. Because, you know, I mean, the Internet's kind of blacked out right now. Right. We're we're lucky to be able to record this. Exactly. Uh, All right. So, McMaster, as our MC, take it away. Who who are you calling out first? All right, Tom, since you seem so eager. (laughs) My news of the week. Very relevant to you guys. Uh Actually, and this will this will play into our our stump Jason V McMaster session. Uh, my news of the week is related to The Sims Three, and I just want everyone listening to know 
that Katy Perry is now a part of The Sims 3. Uh, I got like a I got like an email about that or something the uh, other day. Of course you did. It's called a press release, Jason V. McMaster, and I'm going to read you a little bit from the press release because I know people are listening to this going, wait a minute, how's Katy Perry going to be part of The Sims 3? And I'm going to tell you right now. Here we go. Quote, in collaboration with Katy Perry, the world-renowned The Sims studio plans to develop multiple games within The Sims franchise. Yes! Special Katy Perry-themed in-game content and virtual goods. The relationship, the relationship kicks off with a special collector's edition for The Sims 3 Showtime, which is launching in March. Katy Perry will also be featured in all new advertising and marketing campaigns for the brand. Uh, according to this press release, Miss Perry will work closely with the developers, closely, by the way, it, it specifies that, to create, she will be helping them create accessories, clothing, hairstyles, furniture, and props. Uh, so according to the press release, she's going to be very, well, she's going to be working closely to bring you this stuff. Will they, will they have her songs in Simlish? Now, I don't know if you're joking, Jeff, but in, in the I so. Yeah, I know, Sims 2, they did yep. that. Exactly. Uh, I don't think that that's, that that's not an announced part of the deal, but uh, maybe they will stealth something like that in there. Uh, at this point, she's just going to be advertising for The Sims 3. Uh, she's going to be featured in... So The Sims Showtime is the next expansion, and it's the sort of thing where it, it looks like it basically adds a pop star career path. Do they uh, have the deluxe edition with all the expansions out yet? Are they still bilking people? No, no, they're still bit pleased. They're, they're still oh, yeah, that'll never stop. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but the thing about this news is I, I increasingly realize that The Sims really is not, they're not aiming that at me anymore. Yeah. Uh, no. Uh, and I, I loved The Sims 3. I, I loved what they were doing. I loved all the gameplay in there. And just all this post-release stuff is just not, they're like, okay, Tom, you had your fun. We're done with you. Now we're going to make money. Uh, so, and the, that... What if they came out with the Sims 3 Zombie Edition or something? Oh, Jeff, could you please talk to them for me? Please. Well, well there was a quarter to three post where, like, a developer, Rod Humble or something. Oh, that jerk. No, yeah. okay. Rod's great. <laughs> a lot of us said something like, we, we, we kind of like just to have, like, a, a mode where your Sims don't get old and you don't have to worry about money. And he, he said, like, okay, I talk to, I'll talk to the team about that. And see what you did? Yes. <laughs> uh, the thing is, like, I, I do feel, I think one of you just mentioned Medieval. Sims Medieval was kind of for guys like us. Like, it had yeah. a lot more gameplay. It had these little quests and little bits of, uh, you know, it forced you to play different Sims in the same sort of kingdom. Uh, it, it, it let you sort of reboot your scenario and try different advancement paths. Uh, so that was the last time that I really felt like, the Sims was being moved to a strategy gamer or a, an RPG geek like me. Mm. Uh, so, but now that Katy Perry is there, that's uh, one fewer expansion pack I need to buy. So, what yeah. about Lady Gaga? You know, what, I, I, would, I, I might consider that one. <laughs> I would totally consider that one. Yeah, that's that would be just subversive enough. There is nothing subversive about Katy Perry. Uh, Lady Lady Gaga, on the other hand, I would be interested. I, in. I, I guess the girl. Uh, yeah, that's so. That's that's called corporate subversion, Jeff. Oh, okay, okay. I thought <laughs> I that was really edgy. Yeah, no, I kissed a girl is uh, is about as safe as you can get these days. I, I see. <laughs> but by the way, so that was going to be our stump McMaster. Let's see how many. Uh, we'll throw out a title and then 
McMaster has to decide whether that's a real Katy Perry song or a fake Katy Perry song. All right, get it over with. All right, ready for this? <laughs> Jason McMaster. Yes. Fireworks. Real or fake? Real? Fake. It's called Firework, singular. Suck it. That's one point for me, Jeff. You okay. have to be. <laughs> that's the most... <laughs> I'm sorry. We are that now... Me and Jeff are now tied in the uh, podcast-long session of Stump Jason V. McMaster. Uh, at least you're not winning my money. <laughs> Something I care about. Uh, that you know of. Yes, that I all, know of. All right, so that's my news of the week. Who's next, Jason V. McMaster? Um, well, of course, uh, yeah, I'll just go ahead and do mine. Uh, so stop uh, online, uh, you know, Piracy Act. Uh, SOPA and, is it... God, what is it? It's the Protect IP Act, right? Yeah. SOPA and Kipa. They sound like little characters in a Mexican cartoon. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, I love uh, searching for SOPA because you totally don't find soup. Anyway, um, yeah, today there was a you know, very large blackout. Like a lot of sites either shut down or changed their book or changed you know, something about them to protest the idea of these acts. Um, they're very... I don't know, draconian, in my opinion, and it's very uh, censor-heavy. Uh, if anything, or if any, like, subjective material is found on your website, they can, you know, cause all sorts of harm. Uh, that kind of, also, you know, it stops, it, it's just, it's a real issue. Like, uh, for, for instance, uh, you know, video game uh, footage, talking about certain video games, that kind of thing can be considered... Uh, illegal activity. Uh, if someone posts in your comments on your website and links to something illegal, your website can be taken down and completely, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. Um, I've been talking about this for a while now, but today is a giant blackout for it. And if you don't know anything about it, and if you aren't involved, please go to well, just about any website. Uh, but go to Google and uh, search for SOPA and PIPA and uh, see if there's a way you can contact your representative about uh, and hopefully expressing your distaste. So there, I'm done preaching. All right, McMaster's News of the Week, SOPA and PIPA, uh, which, by the way, I think are, would be headed for a veto if they pass. Isn't that correct? That's quite possible, yeah. Obama has... Uh, Definitely talked uh, about how they do not support them. Was well, so yeah. he being kind of vague about it or something? Yeah, yeah well, that's a politician thing. So. Oh, I see. Yeah, yeah. You never know. Like that's the thing. You know, it, it should not even pass. It shouldn't get to that point. Realistically, yeah. you know, it's 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 ridiculous. It's absolutely ridiculous. Yeah. All right, McMaster. Who is next for news of the week? I believe that leaves Jeff. Mm. Okay. Uh, okay. Bear with me here. Okay. Won't be too long. So uh, Penny Arcade, they have their comics, and then they have this button called News. And when you click on News, you get their little blog-like posts. So back in March 29, 2002, they had a comic about Jedi Outcast. And they're like, what is this crap? What is what crap? This Jedi Knight 2 multiplayer crap. You've got a Gamorrean with a lightsaber whose name is Gamorrean. Over here, you've got a stormtrooper with a lightsaber. Only his name is Darth Gay. Maybe they could put in some Wampa Jedi. And that so, makes sense. Yeah, and so they got, they kind of just go on about it. Uh, so like, say, I think the so then they have their news post. I think the multiplayer is not only a disappointment but an absolute waste of the license. Raven had the entire Star Wars universe to play with, and we get Quake multiplayer with force powers. 
Seeing a stormtrooper Orlando Calrissian battle out with lightsabers makes the Star Wars fan inside me cry like Luke Skywalker after Darth Vader caught off his arm and revealed his dark secret during the climactic battle at the Cloud City of Bespin. So then there was this other guy called Safety Monkey who was kind of disputing him. That was his handle. He says, I never thought it was possible for, for someone to like Star Wars too much until now. I feel I've got to take counterpoint here. The multiplayer, however, is, however, is where we differ. I don't feel that every single game type and every single match in a Star Wars multiplayer game needs to be official canon. Sometimes it's fun to just whip out a lightsaber and hack at each other. And so Gabe is the guy who's complaining. He has like a follow-up post like, is it retarded in here or is it just monkey? And says, Lord of the Rizangs. Here's a thought for you. I know Safety Monkey is a fan of Lord of the Rings, as I'm sure many of you are. Here's another license with absolutely unlimited multiplayer possibilities. Let's say, though, that a game comes out and all you get is DM, Deathmatch, and Capture the Flag. Not only that, but you can play as any character you want, and they have all rings of power. Just imagine an elven ranger named Leigh Galos firing arrows at a hobbit called Frodo-Sexual, while an orc uses his ring to turn invisible and sneak up behind both of them. Would you not feel just a tiny bit disappointed? So then Safety Monkey has sort of a rebuttal, and I'm going to paraphrase big time here. He says, Gabe, I have no idea what the hell you are talking about, but that sounds like one awesome game. Just imagine an elven ranger firing arrows at a hobbit while an orc turns invisible and sneaks up behind both of them. I hope a game developer is paying attention because that is a game I, that I want to play. And then he kind of go. Then he brings up the Star Wars holiday special and the breakfast cereal or something. And says, "Is this canon too or something?" And then Gabe, Gabe comes back and says. Well, now I guess now we know what Microsoft employees do while they're at work. Apparently, they surf the web for obscure Star Wars material. Then he goes into what's canon and what's not, and he says, basically, lightsabers are supposed to be special. They should be for not anyone can have them. Only Jedi can have them. It's supposed to be special. And, okay, that was just really kind of a – that's just sort of in honor of the actual new news, which is like – for Star Wars, or what, what's the MMO, SWOTOR, uh, I just saw this today, so we'll use this as news. Uh, apparently there's a there's multiplayer that's not in one of those instanced battlegrounds. It actually takes place in the sort of questing areas, and yeah. the Empire is more uh, popular, so apparently the Republic is just getting swamped and just can't win the objectives at all or something. And also... And so this, this, this Penny Arcade post was just kind of in honor of Star Wars. We also have George Lucas saying, like, once again, he's done with big-budget filmmaking in Star Wars. Why would I make any more when everybody yells at you all the time and says what a terrible person you are? Lucas grumbles of Star Wars fans. So that's Which, kind of the news of the week. <laughs> yeah, it really is, yeah. <laughs> all right, so this uh, this... this uh, there's, like, this imbalance in uh, Star Wars Old Republic... Yeah, it, and it, and EA's acknowledged this. I don't know. It's it, I just know people are PO'd about it. Like, uh, like so. I guess if you know about, they've just kind of copied uh, World of Warcraft. Where I would have thought that most most PVP would happen in these little instance battlegrounds where they make sure each side is balanced. But apparently, this is one of their uh, in the actual game world objectives. So it matters who how many people are online at a time. Right. It's like the open world PvP on a PvP server. You're saying, yeah, yeah, kind of. But yeah, and there's these little objectives. I haven't 
I've never, I, I haven't got to that part of the game yet. I have no idea how it works. I just, I, I there was something similar in World of Warcraft that when I played, it was kind of just irrelevant. Uh, yeah, I think a lot of games try this. There was something in DC Universe Online where you could, uh, it would periodically reset this little contest out in the open world that heroes and villains could join and play if they felt like it. And after a few weeks, it seemed like nobody bothered. Yeah, see, uh, that's that's the thing that kind of bothers me about uh, World of Warcraft and these things. They've kind of like, uh, they've kind of defeated the point of having everyone play on the same server at this point. By by now, it's like all your interaction takes place with other people takes place in an instance. Yeah. I so think I'm a think- lot Go ahead. Go ahead. Well, a lot of MMOs do that. I think that's a that's a, a common thing that they fall prey to, uh, is that you've got this cool open world that's built. Rift, by the way, does the same thing. You've got this yeah. cool open world, and yet these opportunities for instanced either dungeons or PvP action, it's they're much more convenient, and it kind of siphons away the player population from the open world, and therefore takes away a lot of what's special about an MMO. You know, if I just wanted to play Modern Warfare 3 deathmatches, I could play Modern Warfare 3 deathmatches. If I wanted an open-world RPG where stuff is happening in the world, it seems like MMOs are are not offering that because of all these instances. They just want your monthly subscription. Ultimately, that's, I think, what it comes down yeah. to. So, like, I was thinking, like, why don't you make these games just more like Diablo, where, like, when you want to do a dungeon, you, like, go to their a little chat interface and, like, you just browse people who are doing dungeons. There's, like, sort of a front-end. I don't know if Guild Wars does something like that because I never played it, but... So, it has it has phases, but it, it doesn't really do that, I don't think. Yeah, so I was thinking these games should be more like Diablo, where like, oh, I want to do a instance dungeon now, so you got to go to a sort of matchmaker interface. Well, that's exactly what Guild Wars is. Guild Wars, the only big public areas are the town hubs. Once you leave a t- uh, once you leave a town Sorry. hub, well, once you leave a town hub, you go into either a, a PVE instance or a PVP instance. So it's just like Diablo in that regard, in that you're just setting up a dungeon and deciding who's in there with you. Um, d- uh, Jeff, did you ever play Lord of the Rings Online? Yeah, I did. Uh, we were in, I, I was in, like in the beta uh, real shortly, and you were playing too. I was we were on the same server. I well, made my I, I remember I made, I called my character uh, Frankie Say Relax. <laughs> nice. Oh, jeez, uh, don't do it. Uh, Well, they have an an approach where there's a a separate part of the world, the Ettenmoors, where your characters can go for PvP content. And meanwhile, people can log into the Ettenmoors as monster characters. Uh, It's sort of like, this is where we have our PvP. We're not going to mess with uh, the open world. Because they're kind of restricted by the lore right there. It's like, uh, the lore doesn't say that... According to the lore, the dwarves and the elves never really went at it, so you can't have that. Well, I think it's it's partly that, but I also do it does feel like a focused design decision. It doesn't feel necessarily like a liability, like a restriction based on them that the lore is imposing, so much as uh, an intentional choice and a decision they made. Well, uh, you know, like uh, talking about all this, like the old republic does have matched uh, battlegrounds, but yep. it has that one like open PvP zone or world that I actually have not gotten to yet. So I, I think it's really called Ilum or, some, Ilum or something. Yeah, it's like the high, really high level, uh, if I remember correctly. But, uh, yeah, and, that's um, a friend of mine play, uh, has a, a level 50, and uh, that's where I see him almost all the time. So, yeah. so, Jason McMaster, when you say a friend of yours, are you doing air quotes around the word friend? 
No, no, this is a no. This is like some, a guy that lives near me that I know in person, friend. Okay, because if you have a, there's no shame, Jason V. McMaster, in having a level fifty character in Old Republic. I just want oh. you to know. Oh no, God! I wish I did. I, uh, I had to play way too many different characters to review it. I felt, <laughs> yeah, I got a level thirty-one. Uh, so, Jeff, when you talk about the in, this imbalance where the empire's rolling over the the rebels, uh, is this that Ilum place that Jason mentioned? I think I, I'd have to find the news story, but yeah, I think that's it. It's like because it's not it's not segregated in a, in a, in a separate instanced battleground where yeah, you know, no, it's like an open world zone, yeah. And isn't it the conventional wisdom? I, I think I've heard this from a few developers that basically what happens when you let players choose between the evil side and the good side is that the evil side tends to get more a higher population. Whether it's like I think they had that situation with the Warhammer Online game, uh, aren't there more horde than good or whatever it is in World of Warcraft? But isn't that something that they should have expected that more people would be evil? Actually, I think there's more good than horde. In World of Warcraft, I thought well, there was. Well, no, neither side's evil in World of Warcraft. Ah, I was, I was trolling to see who would come up with that first. Jeff, I got you. Oh, you got me. Well, no, no, I disagree with that, actually. The Alliance is evil. Oh. Comparable to the Horde, in my opinion. But, <laughs> hey, hey, which group of people went around, uh, you know, killing people and going to other planes and enslaving people? <laughs> I just want to say it wasn't the Orcs. Jason oh. V. Master, haha, you know World of Warcraft backstory. I have played every Warcraft thing ever, and it saddens my soul sometimes, but you do collect a lot of information. Well, in that case, in that case, I will not be trying to stump you with World of Warcraft. You want to throw some uh, Lich King at me? Some Warcraft <laughs> 3 or 2? <laughs> Tides of War? We are going to table the next round of Stump Jason V. McMaster for a later topic. Uh, uh, so, Well, I'm playing uh, Republic right now, but you know, I was going to... I might. I was going to play a uh, Sith character or Empire character eventually. Yeah, probably. And now, uh, yeah. have you yet used the name Frankie Say Relax in Star Wars Old Republic? No, I haven't tried that one, but uh, I was going to make a female bounty hunter in uh, the Empire side called Miss Misery. Hey, that's a good one. You're, yes. an, you're an AFI or a uh, rock band fan, I presume. Uh Nazareth is the band that I got that name from. Like, I was playing City of Heroes, and uh, so just as I was booting up, I saw the City of Heroes splash screen. Like, oh, I need a name. And then I saw an MP3 on my desktop, Miss Misery by Nazareth. So, like, oh, that's a great name. Okay, I'm or Elliot Smith, Mr. Elliot Smith Thompson. Yeah, I know. People, have, yeah. I got all these whispers asking, you an Elliot Smith fan? Oh, that's yeah. right. What am I thinking of? Elliot Smith fan. I am, oh. but what am what am I thinking of that rock band song? Oh, there's Misery Business, which is that adorable redheaded chick in that band, which I can't think of their name now. But what is there? There's oh, Miss Murder. Good lord, I suck at song names. There's a well, song called Miss. Kind of, this isn't a, this wasn't a big hit, and I don't think uh, it's like uh, it's like from the 70s. The band is called Nazareth. Right. Oh yeah. Yeah. So if we had been playing uh, Stump Tom Chick, you both would have gotten lots of points in that round. Yes. Where well, it was a big hit for Elliot Smith. So I can see why people would be confused. I can understand that. More recent too. Is it? Yeah, yeah. It was the Goodwill Hunting uh, theme yeah. soundtrack yeah. one. Yeah. That's so. where all of us Elliot Smith fans uh, accuse him of selling out. Ah. Uh. <laughs> so, uh, all right. So that is uh, Jeff's news of the week, McMaster. Where do we go from there? Where do we go now? As Axl Rose might ask, and huh. sweet child of mine. 
Will I wax poetic about Guns N' Roses further? No. By the way, no, I think the song is called Sweet Leaf. Sweet Child... No, that's Black Sabbath. <laughs> but the, uh, all right. <laughs> we'll go to Post of the Week, and uh, you know what? I'll start this one off, because I'm, I'm giving. Um, my Post of the Week actually comes from No High Scores, from Mr. Sweet Sweet Bill Abner, Little Abner, as he likes to be called. He's going to actually drive here and kill me after listening to this. Anyway, Kingdoms of Amalur... Reckoning, the Warcrafty, Darksidery, Bloom-loving RPG. And I'll tell you why I picked this post. Because it starts answering some questions I've had. I'm very, very confused about this game and very curious. Mm -hmm. there, I think there's a the, demo, McMaster, just so you know. I, I know, it just came out. I haven't had a chance to play it yet. Uh, I want to. But, uh, but I, I bring this up because... I think the most confusing part of this game to me is that it's it, it involves Ari Salvatore, Todd McFarlane, mm -hmm. and Kurt Schilling, which makes no sense to me. And why, just, does, why does everyone leave Ken Ralston's name out? <laughs> he's the actual developer. Okay, sure. Okay. But he's, yeah, he's, he's not associated a, with games, so you kind of expect him to be associated with oh, a video game. Ah, fair point. Okay. So... You know, it's it's how how does he leave baseball for this? Now I approve. I think it's rad. It's just like a really it's it's like a left turn. Yeah, I, I didn't see this one coming. Um, however, I'm really curious about the game. And after reading Bill's post, which is a bit longer than I'm going to go into here uh, now, but you should check it out by clicking at the link at the bottom of this post that the podcast is in. Um, it answers kind of the basic questions I was looking for, which is. Is it like Skyrim in combat? And supposedly it is not. Right. It is, it is like, it's action-y, yeah, which it, is, to me, a lot better. Yeah, really, Skyrim combat, it really should be, feels like it should be third person and totally no first person at all. Yeah, I agree. Um, but, uh, and, it, you know, he actually makes comparisons to Darksiders, which I like quite a bit, so... Uh, very curious about it. I'm just really fascinated uh, by the fact that yeah, it's Kurt Schilling. Which, Tom, if you didn't know, that's a baseball player. No, I think he played volleyball. Hmm. Well, he probably did once. <laughs> yeah. It's, I mean, I did. He was down at Mission Beach. Yeah, who hasn't played volleyball, please? Right. right. Uh, so the, the demo is available. Jeff, have you tried the demo yet? Uh, I have not. Okay. Uh, R.A. Salvatore, that's like uh, he got to start uh, oh, doing... Great. Dungeons and Dragons tie-in fiction, like actual novels that are set in Dungeons and Dragons. What's it called? Yeah. Setting. Now, Jeff. Realms. Do I hear a hint of disdain in your voice? Well, I don't know. It's just I haven't actually read through it, but pe people say he's, he's bad. That's all I know. I'm, I'm not a huge fan, but I'm not a huge fan of just that his whole thing. I, I don't know. Like, I mean, I, hey, I'll I'll even cop to liking some Dungeons and Dragons novels. I mean, you know, but not yeah, not a big R. A. Salvatore fan. Well, I just think you guys, when you say R. A. Salvatore, you should preface his name with New York Times bestselling author. Oh, R.A. Salvatore. That's kind of like when you, it's like so if somebody goes to medical school and they're a doctor, you extend them the courtesy of calling them a doctor. I think you need to do that to R.A. Salvatore as well. Isn't that, abbreviate that? Isn't Dean Kuntz uh, a bestseller too? Because I'm not going to do that for him. Jason V. McMaster, it's New York Times bestselling author Dean Kuntz. Hey, I can't do that, Tom. I'm sorry. 
<laughs> we're just we're just gonna have split hairs on Can this. Can you one. Abbrevi- abbreviate that into like a title? NYB T or something. I, I, I think if you were to do that, Jeff, it would just make it more awkward. So oh. you just got to say New York Times bestselling author J.K. Rowling. Okay. New York did Times bestselling stop. author Anne Rice. That's did how you, you see Kingdoms of Amalur? Have you played any demos or anything, Tom? Uh, yeah, I unfortunately am not really at liberty to say. Uh, no, but I, I, yes, I, I am familiar with it, and it is. Uh, Bill has a, a very good handle on it. It's very uh, fabulous. <laughs> you, you might say. Uh, and it is very, it's nothing like the open world game I was expecting. Actually, you know what? I can talk about having played it at, at press events. Uh, I did some coverage of it for GamePro, which has now yeah. evaporated into to thin air. Um, but it's not, uh, it's definitely not a Skyrim-y open world kind of game. Uh, it feels a bit more like a Bioware game in that they're large arenas, they're chained together. Uh and it is so very kind of fable in a way, like that it has kind of larger areas that end up kind of being connected via roads or whatever. It's not like you can just go anywhere. Right. Actually, you can go anywhere, but you go through these tunnels into big sections. It's it's not a muscular engine, I should say. Uh, so they have to make some amends for that. Oh, oh okay. So it's like large areas, but they have to load them. Uh, Exactly. They're loading tricks when you go down tunnels and stuff like that. It's not like Skyrim where you you sit up on a mountain and you're like, I'm going to go across that valley over there. You know, you don't really have that feel. Is it console only? You know, that's a good question, Jeff. No, it's not. It's PC. There's also PC. Good to know. Well, at least they won't have to worry about, like, you know, running out of memory on uh, PlayStation 3 after you've been playing for... 30 hours or something. Oh, Jeff, that's a that you just that was below the belt, Jeff. That was I'm mean. sorry. <laughs> what happened what happened there? I guess I missed something. Well, you know, Skyrim has struggles famously on the PS3 oh. from people. Uh, I, I wouldn't know. <laughs> I played it on, you know, the 360. <laughs> Speaking of below the belt, McMaster, that was mean too. <laughs> Uh, so yeah, so uh, but it's it's uh, Kingdoms of Amalur Reckoning does have a great sort of God of War combat feel to it, and uh, I'll, I'll be curious what folks think. Um, yes. Yeah. So, uh, all right. So, Bill, uh, the demo when this is over. Does it? Yeah. I wonder if it would play well. Does it play well with the gamepad? I would not touch it with any other way. I would not touch it with your mouse and keyboard. How's that? Well, right. You know, I mean, I've got two wireless 360 controllers here, as most game reviewers with a debug console do. And um, they're, uh, yeah, they're plugged into my computer. I mean, that's crazy talk to not play certain games without one. Yeah, you definitely, it's definitely a gamepad-driven game. I you know, that's why I think Witcher 2 is going to do really good. Uh, I played a lot of it with a gamepad. I really liked it. Jason V. McMaster, when can we play Witcher 2 on our Xbox 360s? It's not too far off. I want to say quarter one, quarter two this year. All right. They were going to port the first one, too, but then they kind of canceled it, I guess. Well, that one, oh, God. I think they farmed that out was what happened, and the company just kind of, like, totally didn't hit their marks. But I could be wrong, but if I remember correctly, that was it. Right. All right, so uh, Jason McMaster's post is uh, some impressions on the Kingdoms of Amalur Reckoning demo. Jason B. McMaster, who is next? Um, Jeff, why don't you go? Oh, okay. So at a forum called Game... There's this website called GameSpite.net. It's like uh, Jeremy Parrish's uh, personal forum. So there's just one big kind of general-purpose Skyrim thread instead of five. So where everyone just posts about Skyrim. 
So uh, shortly after shortly after the game came out, a poster called Sapper Gopher made a post saying, <laughs> he says in this post, I was shooting arrows at an elk, then it ran away underwater. Amphibious elk, what wondrous imaginations the fantasists at Bethesda have. What will they dream of next? Then Parish replies, amphibious bunnies are even more wondrous. And then, uh, <clears throat> then in a reply, I say, I guess you haven't come across the plot twist where you learn that, and then I put this in spoiler tags. The game takes place in Alaska and Canada, and your super soldier being used as a dupe by the government in giant military exercise and irregular warfare. The dragons are actually drones and attack helicopters. You've been given neural implants to make you think you're, that you're the hero in a fantasy world. The underwater bunnies are subtle foreshadowing that the simulation has glitches in it. Then someone replies, I would totally buy that game. And then someone else says, wasn't that called Metal Gear Solid 2? Oh, yeah. snap. So that was kind of belaboring the obvious because that was the game I was kind of making fun of. And uh, maybe that'll be part of the DLC for Skyrim. Yeah. Oh. A Metal Gear Solid tie-in would be nice. For Skyrim. <laughs> uh, no, why not? <laughs> and I have like a really short QT3 post as a bonus if you want to tie it to QT3. Sure, go ahead. Okay, uh, someone made a... There was this thread way back in 2008, it looks like. Uh, someone made this kind of remake or, I don't know, por- uh, sort of, of privateer called ASCII Sector. Privateer, ASCII Sector. And so, like, the whole game... The graphics are rendered entirely in ASCII. Oh, and here's, good. And here's kind of a... <laughs> and here's kind of an obscure joke you might not get unless you're kind of a programmer type or software... Someone called Doc Vago says, "My God, it's full of chars." Oh know. God, Jesus! <laughs> Characters, yes. Oh, I got I, char, I, yes, yeah, or varchars if you really want. But that's yes. <laughs> I, I kind of feel like I'm on the podcast with two programmers. Yeah, you might be. <laughs> All yeah, right, so- that, of course, that comes from a. Uh, I think it's like it might just be in the novel 2001. I don't know. I don't think it was in the movie, but he like one point he, like he says when he's like looking yeah, into the I gate, know. he's looking into the gate and he says, "My God, it's full of stars." Whoa, 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 whoa. wait, wait, Jeff, hold on, hold on a second. What kind okay. of what kind of self-respecting sci-fi geek does not know that that's an iconic line from the actual movie as well? I'm sorry. I, I I just I kind of fell asleep during the movie, so you know what you and you and pretty much everybody else. Fair enough. Uh, <laughs> yeah, that's a beautiful movie, but it is a uh, it's paced. Yeah, make yeah. sure you take a nap before watching it. I, yes. I actually preferred the novel, which I think they said it was. He, he said he read it, kind of wrote it as a dry run for doing the screenplay. It's kind of weird. Yeah, yeah. Many, people, many people think of that as Robert one of Robert Heinlein's minor works. Uh, yeah, many people would be wrong, but <laughs> many people are assholes. Are you trying to troll someone again when you said Robert Henlon? I, 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 I kind of was, and I don't, and I don't know if it worked. I can't tell yet. <laughs> uh, by the way, you crap. here we go. Let's play Jason. Let's play Stump Jason oh. V. McMaster. I'll go first. Jason V. McMaster. What is the name of the lead character? In Dead Space. Oh, Jesus. Really? Uh, Isaac Clark. Isn't that it? Mm, I think that's it. No, wait. It's one. Wait. Arthur. It, no, uh, Arthur Heinlein. Sorry. Arthur, it's 
I think he did that. Okay, now, uh, uh, Jeff, you can here. Jeff, you can stump McMaster now. Ask him the name of the lead character in Sweet Coden Five. Oh, oh, that's kind of a trick question, isn't it? Or well, I don't know. Uh, what's what's the name of the lead character in Soy Coden or Sweet Coden Five? I uh, I don't I don't know. Sweet, Jeff gets a point in. There, there's, there's, I don't think there is one actually, and there are like a, several characters. But anyway, well, you can you can name your character. Oh, okay, okay, right. So I don't know if it's a fair question. I think no, yeah. I think you get a point for that, Jeff. You are leading Stump Jason V McMaster by by two to one. If you say so. Yep, I say so. As the official judge, <laughs> as the judge and one of the competitors, I say okay. so. Yes. Okay. Yeah, that seems fair. <laughs> All right, so a Skyrim post on uh, Jeremy. You know what? How did you? Pre- I always assumed it was Parish, like the that's, like the counties that, in that's Louisiana. What, that's what that's what I assumed too. I don't know how exactly how. I might have said it two different ways there, but okay. at and, least you, at least you didn't call him Bruce. Yeah, and he, he did a post our retrospective on on Metal Gear Solid Two where he used the word dupe. So I think he totally ripped me off there because yeah. dupe is. Yeah, because I use the word dupe in my post. <laughs> you got to watch that guy. You got to keep your eye on that Jeremy Parrish fella. He's yeah. A slippery one. Uh, all right, McMaster, who is next? I actually know the answer uh, to this, but I'm going to turn it over to you. Uh, it's you. It's my, Tom. My post of the week, uh, while, we're, while we're all talking about RPGs here, my post of the week is regarding an RPG that's not out yet. That I played a beta of, and I was like, eh, I don't really like what they're doing. I'm going to be Mr. Grumbly. I don't like this game. I'm going to, I'm going to like pre-dislike it before it even comes out. Uh, and I was, you? yeah, I was feeling that way about uh, Diablo three after having played the beta. Uh, oh, I didn't, I, I didn't really like their new skills. I feel system. that way right now. Yeah. I, uh, however, if you we have an, uh, a pretty active thread going on uh, on quarter to three about the Diablo three beta, in which Stusser who is kind of our uh, technical guru. Anytime something breaks, Stusser fixes it, and he uses all kinds of inscrutable language to explain what he's done, and I have no idea what it means, but he fixes things. So uh, Stusser is not just a technical wizard. He is a fantastic Diablo III apologist, and I don't mean that as an insult. Uh, I just mean that to say he's done a great job of explaining how it could work enough to where he makes me think, hey... I do want to play Diablo 3. Uh, and here's the, the key to his wizardry, to this alchemy of taking my lack of enthusiasm for Diablo 3 and turning it into bona fide enthusiasm, is he is linked to a uh, skill calculator that Blizzard has set up on their website where you can take a, a class and you can slot six skills, because that's how the character works. It can slot six active skills at a time. And then each skill can slot, uh, I think it's called a rune, to modify how it works. Mm-hmm. And in addition, you can slot three passive skills that just constantly take effect. Yes. Right. So the thing is, you don't see any of this really in the beta, because this no. is all stuff for later on in character development. But by playing around with this calculator, you can look at what your characters can eventually look like in Diablo 3. And Stusser has done a great job linking to a couple of different builds when he was talking with someone else about how a, a, a melee mage might work. Uh, and so Stusser like, whipped up a couple of characters, and he linked to them, and he explained how the skills might work. Uh, and listening to him talk about, hey, here's how I would build a character, here's what it would do, here's how it would fight, makes me think, yeah, 
that that is something I want to play. Do they have respects? Freely. Well, that's the thing, is it's a bit more like yeah. Wars, in that you slot your six skills freely at any given time. Yeah. Well, um, not at any given time. When can you do it? Like You, have to, you can do it. You have to do it at certain points in area, before you enter areas. Okay, because that was one of my reservations, is if I can only have so many skills, but at any given time I can pause the game and swap them out, that's nope. just a huge hassle. Uh, yeah. I do not like that. Well, that's how Guilds, Guild Wars worked, is when you were in town, you could load up whatever powers you wanted, and then when you went into an instance, you had to, you had only those powers. So I, I kind of like, and, and that forces choices, and I think that was some of my reservation about Diablo 3, was that because you can slot any of these skills at any time, you're never having to pick, I'll take this skill instead of that, when you level up. You get both of them, but whichever one you want to take along at any given time is where you make the tough choice. Um, right, right. I mean, and I don't know. I just say. Eh. Still no auto attack or yes or no on that? Oh, there is no auto attack, my friend. When you say, <laughs> when you say auto attack, what do you mean? If you just hold down the mouse button, you'll attack automatically, right? Uh, I meant maybe you click once and then you kind of just keep attacking until I give you another order. Jeff, this is not World of Warcraft. Oh, <laughs> although yeah. not for not for lack of Blizzard trying, <laughs> they have to differentiate yeah. between them okay. somehow. Uh, so, so Jeff, where do you stand? Uh, uh, McMaster has weighed in. Uh, I have sort of been turned around a little bit on Diablo three. Where do you stand on Diablo three? Not having played it, I can't really say. I I, I came around to liking the first two after a while. Uh, I didn't well, like. I mean, more in the sense of, are you looking forward to it? Is it something that you feel you're not really interested in? Where where do you stand in that regard in terms of forward-looking? Moderately interested. I'll probably probably like to play through the uh, game once, but I'm not... I'm not gonna. I'm probably not gonna be someone who goes back through it with multiple characters. Like, oh, I've got to see how all these different classes play. Uh, I probably just. I'd probably try and play it once, and then I'm. Uh, I'll probably shelve it. Um, we know you mentioned that, Jeff, and I think that's a good point because one of my observations in that thread was that I really liked the way that they kind of balanced the skills in Diablo 2 after patching it. Uh, and I am like you, yeah. Jeff. I'm a more casual Diablo player in that I will I, I, I will take a character and run him through maybe and then maybe try another character. I'm not someone who tries to build a character to optimize his way through that super hardcore difficulty level. And I think that's where a lot of complaints about Diablo 2 come in in terms of the tuning of the skills, is if you are a hardcore player and you're trying to get through, I think it's called Hell Difficulty on Hardcore Mode, yeah. then the the the, uh, the complaint that some people have is that you can really gimp yourself by making a wrong build. Now, the way that you and I play, Jeff, that's not that doesn't really enter into the equation. We can build whatever kind of character we want and pretty much just brute force our way through the level of game that we want to play it at. Uh, but for the more hardcore players... Uh, the way Diablo 2 worked was problematic. Oh. Uh, so, so, what, uh, the, well, so what did they prefer, the first one or <laughs> no? Uh, I think they just they just felt like you really had to, there was only one or two viable builds for each character. I think this applies to Diablo 1 as well. Yeah. Uh, because, of the, because of the fact that you had to pick skills like mutually exclusively. You couldn't just... It, you couldn't do this thing where you slot whatever skills you want in a given area. You had to you had to commit to a character build. Oh, is Diablo three online only? I thought I read that at one point. Uh, I would assume I, I would assume you have to log into Battle.net to play it. Oh, but do you have to be in an actual multiplayer kind of? No, good lord, no. I, I can imagine Blizzard would. You might have to. Yeah, you might have to like 
toggle yourself private or something? I'm not entirely sure how that works, but I know you are not going. You can totally play through it solo if you want. About, it's like is my character like being uploaded to their servers? So like at any time, I can take my single player guy and go online with them. I'm assuming so. Yes, that'd be cool. Well, you don't have a choice on Diablo Three. You're yeah. always online. Right, like your character's always going to be on their server. There's no distinction between a single player and a multiplayer character. That's nope. that's the impression I get, yeah. I'm yeah. okay with that. Um, one thing that I'm just, I don't know, like the big thing for me was I like playing with, like I make I like making different characters. I like the skill trees. Mm-hmm. Uh, I mean, I understand the idea of, you know, wanting to slot whatever skills and change yourself up all the time, but I don't know. There was just something I really enjoyed about that part of the game that kind of, I kind of miss, I don't know. Yeah, well, you know, I, I still have some reservations, but I, it, the bottom line for me, McMaster, is that I really kind of trust Blizzard, even if I'm not, like, real pleased with, like, World of Warcraft. That doesn't really do much for me. Uh, it's, I think, perfectly built for the maximum number of players to most easily enjoy. Uh, I trust that Blizzard knows what they're doing, um, and I trust they'll find a way to make Diablo 3 work for the most people. Uh, if I'm not one of those folks, that's okay. Yeah, I mean, it's just a shame, because, like, I certainly am not a StarCraft II fan, which is what kind of, like, shook me from believing that maybe they were going to pull it around, because, like, just messing with what I have of Diablo III, I, I don't like, I just don't like the style of it, in a way. I don't know what it is. It just doesn't look right to me, either. Well, uh, McMaster, if I were to ask you, when can we play Diablo III, what would you say? God only knows. <laughs> <laughs> when it's done. <laughs> when it's done, yep. All right, so those are our posts of the week. What happens now, Jason V. McMaster? It's clearly game time. Mm. All right, so let me see here. Jeff, why don't you start us off? Oh, I have to start? Uh, oh, yeah. Oh, okay. Uh, I, was, I guess game of the week uh, would be Final Fantasy Roman numeral 13 hyphen Arabic numeral 2. What? That's not a real thing. You invented that. Final Fantasy 13-2. It's not out yet until... It only comes out January 31st, but I played a short demo. And apparently... um, Okay, so there's like the last... It's like a sequel to Final Fantasy 13. And Mm -hmm. it's kind of of odd. It's not... Final Fantasy fourteen isn't the sequel because No. They each, don't do sequels to their games in numeric orders. They're always new new. Or like e- each game takes place in kind of its own little world or setting and it doesn't there's just sort of like some common elements between them, but they don't the plot doesn't really carry over. So so to have a game where the plot carries over, they have to call it thirteen hyphen two. Ah. Like Ultima uh, Ultima seven part, part two. two the right. Exactly. Right, right. Uh, now what? So there's a. You said there was. It was a demo, Jeff. Yeah, uh, I I, I kind of went with this because like I, I thought I was maybe going to talk about Final Fantasy when you were doing the old format of the podcast. So yeah, but it's like uh, it's just it's pretty it's pretty much the same as Part Thirteen. Um, the co- except the combat's kind of the same. It's sort of this weird um, kind of hands off thing where you're just where you're not really controlling the characters directly. Mm-hmm. And what they they people really really bitched about the linearity of Part Thirteen. It's like uh, Final Fantasy Thirteen was the Dragon Age Two of JRPGs. It did solid numbers in the millions, but it seemed like everyone hated it. Mm-hmm. So um, 
it seems like from previews of I understand, like for some reason they've made the heroine of this one like uh, the sister of the main character from the last game, and she she was just like a damsel in distress in the in the first game. So I don't know why anyone was was eager to see her as the main character, but now apparently she's like an action hero and. She's going around to save her sister, Lightning, the hero, hero heroine from the first game. And it's supposed to be more nonlinear, like they, they're actually traveling through time or something. And they're to uh, stop uh, all of creation, I don't know, being uh, sent to oblivion or something. So, like, I guess you can visit these areas in the order you choose. And maybe when you get there, there's a map where you can maybe have a little more freedom to roam. Now, uh, wh- what what is in the demo? Like, what does it show you? How, how much stuff do you get in the demo that you're talking about? Kind of like a, it's like real short. There's like a quick movie of events uh, or something. It's like, uh, it's, uh, and then like you kind of just, they jump out of this time portal and like there's this monster called Atlas and they're like, oh no, we've got to defeat him to open the next portal or something. And so then you kind of run around, you see some of the combat and combat's the combat's kind of real weird. It's like it's more like you create different modes for your party, like healing mode, sentinel mode. Well, this makes me wonder. Uh, one, I, I'm pretty ill-informed on Final Fantasy games, so bear with me. But didn't one of the recent Final Fantasy games have a kind of an innovative system called Gambits? That was uh, Part Twelve. Uh, okay. Yeah. And, and is that is that part of what's going on here, or it's something different? No, it's something different. They seem to have that's part twelve just seems to have been forgotten entirely. They've gone back to a separate battle screen. So like you run into these enemies on the map and then you're kind of whisked off to this separate screen where the battles happen. Just like they it's always usually ha- it's usually been that way in the series. Right. Uh so part twelve I guess was sort of an off game or something. I really like twelve actually quite a bit. Yeah, it's a good game, but uh I never finished it but yeah, right, in part 12. So they're back to the old system, which is kind of, people are really complaining about how how outdated this is, not to be fighting on the actual, on the same map that you're exploring. So, is that, does that bother you, Jeff? Like, do you think that's a, is that a complaint that you share? Yeah, it, it works, but I feel like, you know, there's kind of some opportunity costs. In a game this big, uh, you really should be like, um, kind of be more, more, be more modern than, I think it should kind of should be. It's kind of be. They should, I think maybe they should like sort of their kind of turn-based system are kind of real. It's sort of this weird hybrid of turn-based and uh, real time. Uh, but it seems like maybe they should do something more like an action game or something, or sort of like an action RPG. So it sounds like they're they're just kind of playing it safe though, doing it yeah. the traditional way. Yeah, it's sort of like the old time where you go to this different battle and. You can take actions as your action meter fills up, but this time instead of giving commands to your party directly, you're like switching them between modes. Like, you want to be in defense mode when you're uh, when the boss does this huge attack, and then you have so, to then you have to quickly switch to a healing mode to get all your HP back. Then you have so to go back like, on the offensive. It's like so in thirteen. I know you you set your different like types like sentinel et cetera, oh, et cetera. It's, it's, and you it's, had like your you know your skills. So it's like just a complete like dumbing down of that basically. Um, it's just thirteen over all over again. 
It's the only difference is you've got kind of these two party members, this girl and this guy, uh, Sarah and Noel. And then like the third party member is monsters that you capture. So I guess it's supposed to be like Pokemon or something. I like that. I like capturing monsters and using them. So so then you've got this. So other than that, it's. Oh, well, I forgot to add one thing. Apparently now during battle, they've added quick time events. So there's ouch. Oh, sweet. Yes. (laughs) My favorite. So, Jeff, overall, uh, don't take this the wrong way, but you have told me almost nothing about Final Fantasy 13-2 that makes me want to play it. I'm sorry. Yeah, no, it's <laughs> it's it's like 13, I really, actually, I kind of liked, but I liked it only till you got to the wide open areas, which sounds really weird in a way, because you would think the wide open areas would be fun, but I kind of liked that it was like a series of battles in a relatively... You know, enclosed environment. Yeah, it gave the uh, plot some momentum too. I thought. Yeah, really, and that's what I really like. But like, once you get to the open world stuff, I just God, I lost interest really fast. I, I don't know what happened. Yeah, it's not uh, like they were kind of in, they were trying to take uh, they were trying to take inspiration from Call of Duty or something when they made Thirteen. Except people who play Call of Duty wouldn't like it really because you're not you're not shooting at people. No, you're just kind of thopping around. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I is are there chocobos? That's all I want to know. Uh, yeah. Oh, in fact, yeah. there's there's this uh this shop vendor who keeps showing up called Chocolina, and she's got like a chocobo oh, no. costume on. That's kind of hot. Yes. <laughs> Hold on, let me edit that out of the podcast. It's... Yeah, yeah, you might want to do that. Yeah. Uh, so, uh, uh, Jeff, so I want to take this opportunity briefly. Uh, you are obviously really into JRPGs. Like, you did our game diary for Sweet Code in 5, and I was just amazed at uh, what close attention you paid to, like, the plot, for instance. Uh, well, what... that's just a huge part of the game, so, you know, I thought I'd hit the highlights at least. Well, what? Uh, how did you get into JRPGs? Oh, uh, okay. Well, really, I might have played some before this, but really it was the SNES release of Final Fantasy IV, which it, it was released originally oh, yeah. as Final Fantasy II. So that was, that was just a really good game. And um, I don't know if I played, like, uh, JRPG before that, maybe Dragon Warrior Three or something, but, uh, you know, Final Fantasy II... Compared to the NES games, it didn't really bust your balls as much. You didn't have to do as much leveling, so and it had it was more involving because there was an act, felt like there was more of an actual story instead of just going from one town to the other. So basically, you're a, a child of the Final Fantasy series, like that. That's sort of your entry into the genre. Sort of, and like uh, I, I played Ultima Seven on the computer too later, though, and uh, I loved that. Now let me ask: Did you play? Uh, tabletop RPGs as well, or are you just computer RPGs? Uh, I played Dungeons & Dragons uh, the first year of college. So, But but you had played uh, computer RPGs before you had played D&D? Is that true? Yeah, pretty much. Right. Uh, how, did, how did D&D compare to computer RPGs for you? Uh, I didn't really play enough of it. Uh, we didn't get... We didn't, uh, we didn't get... Uh, I don't know, our games... I, I kind of got got tired of their game, so it's... I guess it wasn't as much fun. Uh, I guess I would prefer computer RPGs overall, because you don't have to deal with people. I just <laughs> that's, that's a fair point. A, a D&D game is only as good as the other players. Yeah, but you know, it was kind of like this... Oh, if ahead. you find like a really good 
group, though, I mean, you know, like, pen and paper games are really, really, really fun. Right. Yeah, and there's more dynamic <laughs> dynamicism, I guess. Oh, yeah. Big uh, so, Big. so did you actually bail on your college group, uh, Jeff? Well, yeah, uh, I kind of, like, would just stay in my room after a while while they kind of played in the living room, my suite mates, but... There was one time we were playing. I kind of got this. I thought I thought the story was sort of amusing. You want to hear it? Like, sure. uh, um, so like we're playing something called Ravenloft, which oh is, yeah, oh, I know Ravenloft. Yeah, it's like the <laughs> gothic horror setting for Dungeons and Dragons. And this was like in the waning days of Dungeons and Dragons Second Editions when they still had all these settings. Mm-hmm. So like uh, in the first session, everyone's getting sucked into the evil world of Ravenloft, like. You're walking along, and these uh, this this uh, mist comes and encloses you, and then suddenly yeah. you're you're stuck in Ravenloft. So like we're playing along, and like so I've been sucked into Ravenloft, and uh, the DM just like another guy gets sucked in. He kind of turns to me, he goes he goes hey, he goes he just says Jeff, you see William fall out of a portal in the sky. So then he turns away. He's not paying attention to me. So I kind of ham it up. I go. I cry, what foul manner of magic is this? And then everyone stops what they're doing and just groans like, oh, God, that's so bad. By the way, Jeff, I just now did that silently to myself. Yeah. Well, I wasn't saying seriously. I thought it would just be a funny thing to say. <laughs> and so were you forever branded as the guy who the over-enthusiastic RPer after that? No, no everyone... No, they were more like, that is so cliche. I'm like, hey, what's wrong with that? He's like, every paladin goes wrong saying, what foul matter of magic is this? I'm like, I'm a ranger, actually. He goes, whatever. Oh, yeah, no, I mean. Uh, Jason V. McMaster, you are walking along and you get sucked into Ravenloft. Then a portal opens in the sky beside you and Jeff falls out of it. What do you say? You know, I really don't even know how to respond to something like that. Okay, make a saving throw against being nonplussed. Uh, what rule set? Second edition first? <laughs> so you're talking about the third edition where they started doing all that lame crap? Hey, don't you try to rules lawyer me, mister. Oh, yeah? <laughs> <laughs> I'm the DM here. Fine. Uh, okay, Tiamat appears uh, and ah. breathes acid on you. Make a saving throw versus acid or your character is dissolved forever. See? Let's see, see what happens. Yeah, I got a natural <laughs> 20. Oh, damn. Ah, yes, eat it. I think Tiamat might appear in a Final Fantasy game. The first one kind of ripped off off the monster manual from Dungeons & Dragons. Now, I think, isn't Tiamat an actual mythological... Yeah. I don't don't think Dungeons & Dragons or Final Fantasy gets to call dibs on Tiamat. It's just uh, that came to mind faster than Vecna for me. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Vecna, that's a good one. I mean, I don't know what that is. It's something, it's something that someone told me about once. I have no idea what it actually is. Yeah, whatever. <laughs> All right, so uh, where were we? Good Lord. That was a game of the week. Jeff, your your Final Fantasy 13-2, you said it was out later this month? January 31st. January 31st. And so you, you played the demo. You seem a little underwhelmed. Will you still play the full game anyway? Yeah, uh, sure. Okay. You know what? As a Final Fantasy fan, you can't very well not play it, can you? Yeah. Yeah. Well, I don't know. I've avoided some of the spinoffs. All right. Uh, I understand there's a great Chocobo racing game on the Wii where you can oh. uh, wiggle the Wii moat around uh, frantically to make yeah, your Chocobo. Okay. <laughs> is that what you call it? All right. <laughs> <laughs> All right, McMaster, who is next? You know what, Tom? 
I'm giving you the honors. My game of the week is a game I don't even like. Uh, you know what? It's a game. Yes. It's a game I love, but it's DLC for it. I don't like. Uh, oh. Saint, Saints Row Three. I think all of us on this podcast uh, are fond of it. I'm assuming that about you, Jeff, because you weighed in on. You, you mentioned the Bruce Reynolds. Uh, I, I played one and two all the way through. Um, I haven't gotten around to playing uh, three yet. You know what, Jeff? In a, way, in a way, I'm very jealous because I would love to be able to rediscover Saints Row 3 for the first time. <laughs> yeah, I'm with you there. That's such a great freaking game. However, there's a, the DLC. They've been trickling out some little like costume packs and whatnot that I wasn't really interested in. But just this week, their first big content release for DLC came out. It's part of the season's pass, if you've got that. Otherwise, it's, I don't know, 10 space bucks or whatever. Uh, but it's called Genki Bowl 7. And uh, I thought, hey, this will be interesting. It's going to be some of that crazy, murderous Professor Genki cat character making you do crazy stuff. And I'm really disappointed in it. It just adds a few different types of activities, none of which I really like. It unlocks new homies. You get a couple new vehicles. Uh, I just feel so underwhelmed by what's in there and how they've built it into the game. It doesn't really change anything. Uh and I'm just, I'm just so disappointed. And I think part of it is because I love Saints Row 3. Uh, I love the sort of over-the-top nature of the core game and how crazy it gets. And Genki Bowl 7 just seems like it can't live up to that. So is it any new missions, or is it just weapons and cars? Well, there are new activities. So the way Saints Row 3 works is that in addition to the storyline missions, uh, in addition to the little challenges in your Saints book for stealing cars and assassinations, uh, they're just activities around the city. And you go and you, you know, you'll, you'll recognize a lot of the activities from the previous game, but Genki Bowl basically adds three new types of activities. Well, those were always hit and miss for me in parts one and two. And, and I, I definitely feel that the three new activities are almost entirely misses, uh, which is disappointing because it's only those three new activities. That's the substantial gameplay is three new types of activities, and they all feel like, even though they've got that weird Genki aesthetic, they all feel just completely superfluous to me. Uh, so I'm real disappointed. But what this brings, what this makes me, I, I'm curious how you guys feel about DLC. Is it fair? Like, what expectations should we have towards DLC? You know, it's only ten bucks. It's new activities. You get new cars, stuff like that. Is that fair game for a ten dollar download after a release? How do you guys feel about that kind of thing? Um, you know, it depends on the quality of the content. Yeah. Uh, and it's all over the board, <laughs> depending on you know what company's doing it, etc. Well, here here's another thing that came out this week. I hope I'm not scooping anyone's game of the week, but uh, Gears of War three released their Phoenix badass. Yeah, set. Yeah, it's basically it's a it's a map pack, and it's five new maps. And if you pay your your uh, ten bucks or whatever, or if you've got the season's pass, all you get are five new maps. And in a way, that seems like, okay, that's not much. But when you think about it, each of those, those maps is a new place to either play multiplayer, to play versus against the bots, yeah. to play the horde mode, to play the beast mode. It's like five new arenas that have multiple ways to experience them. And oh, so no. I, yeah, I love that, absolutely, for, especially for horde mode. I love new horde mode maps, and I mean, you know, it's just fantastic. Yeah, so it's kind of like how, you know, what can you do with this new content uh, that, that, you know, normally I might poo-poo, oh, five maps for $10, that's ridiculous. But in Gears of War, and I think similarly in Modern Warfare 3, uh, to a degree, 
you know, I feel like I that's a that's a good plan for DLC. Um, Jeff, are you much? Do you have? You've got to have a 360, right? Yeah, I do. Yeah, because you're. Yeah. Uh, what What are your feelings on DLC? What is there any DLC that you felt like ripped off by, or that you felt was a great value recently? Well, uh, I got the house armor for for Oblivion, but fortunately, I got that as part of like their kind of uh, big. Uh, I don't know the big collection package package they did uh, of all of them, so I didn't get ripped off on that mm-hmm. because I got it for kind of for free with all the other content they put in a box. Well, for uh, instance, uh, to talk about Oblivion, like I thought that Shivering Isles release they eventually did, where you go to that other dimension and there's that Chaos God or whatever. I thought that was a great example of a, yeah. a good sub- substantial chunk of content. Well, that was more like yeah. an old old style uh, expansion pack. It's yeah, it really was exactly yeah. exactly. Uh-huh. I don't know if you could call that DLC, but yeah. Well, but it literally, I mean, it literally was DLC, though. I mean, you, it, yeah. that's how they sold it. it and it, I, I think the fact that it's better than most DLC makes judging other DLC against it. Like, it's fair game to say, hey, here's the bar we want you to reach. If we're going to pay $10 above and beyond what we paid you already for your game, here's the minimum level of what we expect. I, I will of- say that... I'm sorry, I didn't mean to cut you off. Go ahead. No, no, that's okay. Well, I, I, sort of, I just was going to say I sort of feel that that's a fair thing to say, and therefore it's fair for me to think this Ginky Bull stuff is just cheap and sucks, and I, I want no part of it, and it's disappointing because of things like Shivering Isle. Yeah, and you know, it's saying in one extent, like even Bethesda's, like for the most part, with the exception of like the horse armor and stuff, since the release of Fallout Three, in like almost all of their DLC, like the worst of their DLC is better than a lot of people's best. Yep, I agree. I you know, agree. like all their add-on content is just like it's it's really substantial. You know, it's like it's like they've added on to the game. I, I don't feel ripped off by that. You know, yeah. at all. I don't feel that a lot of that stuff could have been included in the game at launch. At you know, so I, I feel that they continue to work on it. So, and that's it, big, it. Really shows. That's a big part of it for me as well, McMaster. If it feels like something above and beyond the core game, rather than just, just B side material that they decide that they cut out of the core game and decide to throw in later. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Right. Uh, so I want to then I want to a quick uh, DLC Hall of Fame. You know, Shivering Isles I mentioned, but I can think of let's see one, two, three, four. So here are four instances of DLC that for me set the bar. Every DLC from now on needs to be at least this good. Uh, I, I want to mention if you're into racing games, Need for Speed Shift Two is a great one. I loved it, and EA released some really crappy. They released an awful, awful, awful drag racing DLC where drag racing is just an awful option anyway because you're just going in a straight line and it's all about shifting pretty much. Uh, that was terrible, but they released an amazing. Uh, it's I think it's called Legends, maybe a, a pack that 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 gives you old versions of the tracks and older cars and an older uh, sort of racing campaign mode. Uh, the Legends download uh, DLC for Need for Speed Shift 2 is fantastic. Uh, another example, uh, this is more story-based, Minerva's Den for Bioshock 2. A great story. It tied into the core story in some really cool ways. Uh, it picked up a conspicuously... Uh, dangling thread from Bioshock 2. I loved how it did that. It introduced you to a really cool new character, uh, and it even had some nifty new combat uh, stuff, like weapons. Um, 
the ultimate, I, I, as much as I really take issue with Capcom's strategy lately, uh, the Ultimate Marvel vs. Combat 3 fighting game just released, and this was actually free DLC, but I still count this as, as a great example. They released a new way to play where you, uh, you run these little battles and you earn cards that boost your capabilities. I, I don't even remember what this silly thing was called. Uh, McMaster, have you seen that? Because I know you're a Marvel vs. Capcom 2 guy, or 3 guy, aren't you? Uh, yeah, I mean, I actually have not played that yet, but I have, okay. uh, I've read about it. I'm kind of fascinated with it. Uh, cards, you know. We get cards, exactly, and, and the cards that affect the core stuff in the game. You know, a lot of fighting games yeah. have this kind of mode, and I think that, uh, you know, it, it kind of sucks that it's DLC that we don't get until after the fact, but they weren't charging for it. So I think that's like a great example of DLC, something that maybe should be in the core game. They add it for free later. Uh, you know, I'll take that rather than not getting it at all or having to pay for it. But for me, if I were to pick my favorite DLC, I think, of all times, Jeff, I don't think you're going to like this because it's something you're not into. Uh, the Undead Nightmares uh, add-on for Red Dead Redemption. That's a good one. That's a that, very good That, to me, is a great one. I love how it played into your familiarity with the places from the core game, how it changed up the basic gameplay, uh, how it was really kind of true to zombie mythology. Uh, I loved that DLC. That would be amongst my favorites. I don't necessarily hate something with zombies in it. Uh, I played through Dead Rising uh, and got to the end, so I enjoyed it. Okay. Well, did you like Red Dead Redemption? I, I didn't get around to trying that. You know what, and even if you didn't like it, because I had some issues with it, uh, Undead Nightmares is a great different way to play Red Dead Redemption. Uh, so, there you go. Yeah. Alright, so that's that's my... Uh, I'm going to get down off my soapbox now. I just wanted to bring that up as my game of the week so I could stand on this particular soapbox. Jason McMaster, who gets the soapbox next? Oh, that's my soapbox. Take it away. But- in a quick response, I, I think you're missing a couple of really good DLC. Oh, yeah, yeah, uh, sure. No, let's fill in some blanks. What, what do you have in mind? Um, Point Lookout for Fallout 3. Uh, returning to Fallout 3, Broken Steel, which is the one that continued the main quest and gave you level up to level 30. Mm-hmm. Uh, that one was awesome. And finally, this one's kind of weird, Dead Rising 2 Case Zero. Ouch! Oh no no the pre the pre DLC pre, not West yeah, yeah. right yeah. the West thing I hated yeah K Zero was awesome very good Jason yeah you could bring it you know because you could like do a bunch of unlocks you could like get a bunch of stuff in the game and it was pretty full featured for you know something like a little bit of a demo that came out I also loved the setting you know that small desert yeah. setting was perfect I loved that yeah 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 it was really cool Capcom does some really high quality stuff there's no doubt. Uh, Jeff, is there any DLC you can think of that were that should also be given an honorable mention? Uh, of, of that that I've played recently, I would go with Dead Money for uh, Fallout New Vegas, which mm-hmm. is technically Obsidian did. Yep. And a lot of a lot of people kind of didn't like that one, but I thought it was great. It was kind of like a miniature version of Bioshock. Um, and then kind of the other kind of for me, everything after that was kind of downhill. You had like. A, Tribal or something's called Honest Hearts, where you go to uh, Zion Park and there's these tribal yeah. tribal groups. The only neat thing about that was you kind of got you could wear some sort of like this tribal armor uh, that I thought was kind of cool. But uh, 
of all the DLC they released for that game, that's the one I like the most. Well, now, I've got to ask, without, if you can, spoiler-free, explain to me, how is it kind of like Bioshock? Because that definitely perks my ears up. Oh, man, uh, let me just say real fast, the, the Fallout New Vegas DLC is batty compared to, like, Fallout 3's DLC. It's all like, it's almost like, it reminds me more of, like, Mothership Zeta. You know um, what I mean? Like, it, like it's like really themed, is what um, I mean. Like, it's all like got these crazy themes. But sorry, I'm sorry. Go ahead, Jeff. Uh, okay. Well, I could just go ahead and spoil it entirely. No, 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 no. <laughs> <laughs> Don't do that. Uh, what? Like, can you can you sort of tell me how it's like Bioshock without would that require spoiling it? Uh, okay. Let's just say like you're in this uh, city that's kind of. That's after the war called the Sierra. It's like the Sierra Madre Casino, and there's sort of this little town outside of it. So it's, I guess it's sort of the art style. Um, the, the enemies are the ghost people. You find out kind of later through by scanning the terminals that these these are like dead workers who are in these like uh, hazmat suits. But the hazmat suits were given a way to move on their own, so they could bring back an injured worker. So now you've got these guys kind of stumbling around, around yeah. yeah, stumbling around in these suits, like kind of dead but still moving. Uh, and there's like vendor machines where you grab your stuff out of out of okay. there, and you're kind of like, un- and there's sort of like a mystery to this place that you're un- unveiling to why 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 it's like this and why the what happened before the grand gala opening. You know what? Good. I, that, that's very intriguing. I, unfortunately, I don't think I'll ever be able to play it because no. of uh, my my Fallout New Vegas. Don't, don't you have a PC? Uh, not the thing oh. is, I've, I've got forty hours invested in the freaking Xbox 360 version. I'm not gonna. I just I, until unless that gets fixed, I'm done with Fallout New Vegas. So every now and then, I check their recent patches. Uh, I still lock up every time I get into combat. Is, so. is there like some hack to like? Take the Xbox 60 da- 360 data onto the PC. I thought there. I thought someone found a way to do that for Skyrim. Uh, I do not know. I would be intrigued if there is some such thing. You can uh, always just use the console on the PC and like just <laughs> kind of blow through the first forty hours or something. Alternatively, Bethesda could fix it for me, Dad Gummit. Yes, <laughs> with a patch. I, I think I think they're kind of done with the game though. Our Obsidian, yeah, whoever. Right. Yeah, you're probably right. Uh, all right, so uh, oh, yeah. those are our DLC yeah. halls of fame honorees. Um, uh, yeah, so uh, my game of the week is uh, is one that I, I feel I need to discuss uh, because I'm not very good at it. Mm. And that is Payday the Heist. <laughs> What's I, that, uh, Master? It's point I, shoot. It's idiot proof. It is idiot proof if you are not getting murdered the entire time by a group of cops. I uh, I finally did make it through the first mission, though. Good. I will say Good. that. I say that. Um, started the second mission. There's a lot of running in that. So, McMaster, why don't you, why don't you explain for folks who may not know it, just in a nutshell, oh, what is? Uh, no, no, that's fine. Because uh, you and I are both acquainted with it. I've played it a fair amount. But for folks who may not know, how would you describe Payday the Heist? Um, it's Left for Dead Auto. Uh, it's like Left for Dead uh, bank robbery. Uh, in fact, if you've ever seen the movie Heat, that's it. Uh, I, I'm actually convinced that every level is somehow influenced. Is, is some is from a different movie. Like there's a Die Hard level, there's a, a Manhunter level, there's a Heat level. Uh, yeah, so they're kind of these familiar heists. Four player co-op. Um, 
Yeah, yeah, it's a. Uh, I really like the way the game works. It's got the fascinating uh, uh, mechanic where you capture hostages, and that's your life. Yep. Uh, so, like, if you get killed, you'd the they you know trade a hostage to the cops for you. Um, and uh, you know, I, I really uh, I'm fascinated by the game. I just can't. Uh, yeah, I just need to. I guess play with some actual people. Oh, um, are you playing with the AI? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Okay, so here's what you're up against when you're playing with the AI. The AI, of course, is good for a couple of reasons. Uh, ammo limits are a huge issue for human players. The AI has unlimited yeah. ammo. Uh, the AI, unfortunately, will never use two of the most crucial tools in the game, one of which is the ammo bag, where somebody drops it and then everybody comes up and drinks from it to refill their ammo, and the other of which is the health bag, where somebody drops it and everybody comes up and heals themselves up. Uh, right. When you're playing with AI, you're not gonna. You only get whichever one of those you can carry. When you're playing with human players, you get whatever you can carry and what the other three people are carrying. So it makes a right. big difference to go without that stuff. Um, yeah, it's a good time. Um, like I, I can make it to a certain point in the second mission. I just keep getting killed. But uh, that's the one where you're like chasing the guy. I'm thinking, right? Yep, that, that's that's. The that's the first one is very much uh, you're, you stay in one location at a time and you defend yourself. The second one is all about moving across the map very quickly, and it's a little crazy. It's a lot more like Left 4 Dead. Um, another thing that's going on here, McMaster, that you may not appreciate, uh, you know, there's a, a meta leveling where when you play, you level yourself yeah. up in, in one of three areas, and that unlocks new weapons. It makes your current weapons more powerful. It makes your drop more powerful. When you get to a certain level, you extend a buff to your teammates. So I think what, what's going on, McMaster, is that the later levels, you just have no chance of succeeding in until you and your teammates have gone up a few levels and have gotten more powerful. Uh, oh, okay. but, but the game doesn't really tell you that. Like, it lets you jump into a tougher mission when you haven't really gotten any levels, and you can beat your head against it, and you can certainly earn experience, but it doesn't really discourage you from doing that by saying, hey, you might want to grind some of the earlier missions a few times before you get here. Um, Is there some matchmaking to, like, get into a match with other people? Yep, it's, it's on Steam, and you can definitely jump into public games. Have you tried that, McMaster? Uh, no, I'm afraid of humans. <laughs> no, you know, I guess like part of that for me is like Left 4 Dead 2 is, is kind of makes you jaded, uh, just like League of Legends or Dota does, where uh, you get into those games and oh boy, it's a good time. Now when you say jaded, like Left 4 Dead has a, a more competitive element. I guess it depends on how you play. But you can be with four human players and there's also the people playing the special. Uh, right. You can also, oh god, you know, jumping into a game of Left 4 Dead is, is kind of a crapshoot anyway, because uh, I've been in games where everybody's like really good and it's gone well. I've been in games where people are good and they're complete asses, you know. Um, but you can get those games too where everybody's really terrible, and those are the worst of all. Right. Um, but everybody's yelling at everybody and no one's having a good time, so that's what always. Uh, well, well, there's nothing, at least in my experience, I've mainly played here on my land with my friends, but I've also played online. Uh, on, because it's strictly cooperative and there's no competitive element in Payday the Heist, I've found that people tend to be pretty patient and friendly with each other. I think it also has a lot of Europeans playing, and I, apologize, I apologize to all Americans listening, but my experience has always been that Europeans are a lot less abrasive than <laughs> Americans online. Uh 
So anyway, I, th- I think Payday the Heist is a great is a is better than other you, games in terms of jumping in with randoms. You mean European thirteen year olds? You know, a, a fair point. At least when they're cussing me out, it's in a language I don't understand. Yes. <laughs> yeah, so, do, do, yeah. Do players like? Do people actually play the cops too, or is it not? No. no. Oh, oh, that's right. It's like Left for Dead. All yeah. Right. So the, the cops are always AI. There is no competitive element whatsoever, ever. Like it always encourages you to work together. For instance, um, the way that you advance, there are no experience points. Uh, instead, it's money. Uh, whenever you hit an objective milestone in the game, everybody gets the same amount of money. There are certain points in the game where uh, there's money just laying around in the open that you can pick up. I think no matter who picks it up, everybody gets it. Uh, I have been playing this game. I think the level cap's like 150, and I've got a guy who's maybe around 50. So I've been playing a fair amount of this game, and we only now noticed. I didn't even notice. I was playing with a friend of mine. There's one mission. It's the Die Hard mission, where you start off at the top of a skyscraper, and uh. there's there's a, there's a party going on, and you do, and you want to sneak around and, and hack into these computer terminals to get into a vault uh, without alerting anyone at the party or the security guard. So there's a little stealth early on. If you break it, it just becomes a shooter mission. That's fine. Um, but while you're stealthing around, there are these, these containers, these little glass cases that rise up out of a pedestal, and inside these glass cases are really valuable diamonds. So if you sneak around, you can harvest these on the map, and whoever picks the diamond up, everybody gets the money. Now, once you alert the guards and the cops start coming, you can't get those anymore. But I've been playing that. I've probably played that map, you know, ten, fifteen times, and I'd never noticed those before. So I love how there are touches like that. I love how the objectives can unfold differently. Uh, like Left for Dead, there's of course a lot of dynamicism about how many cops arrive and when they arrive but unlike left for dead a lot of the objectives vary for instance on that um that that diehard level where you're trying to get into the vault sometimes you know the vault you the codes are wrong and you have to do different kinds of objectives to get the codes this can be multiple objectives maybe it's just one really quick one uh so i love how the missions unfold differently can unfold differently each time you play um, yeah, so you know what? No. I, I'm hogging the the mic. So this was your choice for game of the week, McMaster. So take it away. No, no, I, I'm uh, yeah, I'm more than happy to listen to you talk about it. Cause you're much better at it than I am. Uh, I uh, no, I really like it. I, I just, good God, it just seems like I know one thing that's really kind of uh, was crazy to me is like the cops really start to pile up after a while. Oh yeah, oh yeah. That's like you are. There's like a lot of cops. So I mean, you just you can get torn to pieces. Um, and I was also wondering if it's possible for something to take really that long to burn. <laughs> a, you know, like you're sitting there for like five minutes. It's like, oh god, it's torturous. Of course, I think if you like put more on it, it's faster. But I have no idea how to do that. So, uh, so yeah, a lot of the objectives in the game are designed solely to force you to sit in one place and defend it for a while while cops come at you. So right. so things burn slowly. The drills and saws are the slowest, most underpowering, jam-prone drills and saws you oh will ever my use. God. If that I part had... is like worse than the burning part by a magnitude of like a million. The drill part. Well, the yeah, thing about the, the drills, and the thing though about the drills and the saws, at least they have a little progress bar, so you can see how far yeah. along it is. Uh, but man, if I was trying to build, say, a doghouse with those things, it, they would go straight back to Home Depot. Like these tools oh. suck. Give me new ones. 
Yeah, they just like they they jam like seriously every fifteen to twenty seconds. It's and like, that that yeah. by the way is is uh, based on the difficulty level you choose. Now you get more money if you do the harder difficulty levels, but if you just want to get through a level, play it on the easier difficulty level. You won't get as much money for each objective, but the drills and saws will be more reliable. And I think the fire will probably burn faster. Um, sure. Yeah. I mean, I really yeah, I'm really into like I really like uh, one thing about it is I really like the the design. I like all the character designs. I like the masks. Yep. They're uh, they're they're fittingly creepy. Oh, and you know, speaking of a uh, bank robbery, did you ever see a movie called Killing Zoe? Sure, Eric, not Eric Roth. Uh, Eric Stoltz. Uh, yeah, it's Eric, Eric Stoltz. Stoltz. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I wonder if the, I, I kept like you kept saying it from different movies. I, I kept wondering if there's one like that in there. No, no. I, I think I think that's a very good. That's a, an excellent point, McMaster. I think the bank robbery that's the first mission is very yeah. much like Killing Zoe because if you remember in Killing Zoe, Eric Stoltz I, is down in the basement where the yeah. and and there's that there's that pattern in this one is that you have to eventually go down into the basement and it's kind of Killing Zoe esque down there. Uh, well, that's you know I mean and the reason I mentioned that is like playing through the first mission, I really did kind of get a vibe of that. It's just uh, yeah, it, it, it's it's there for sure. I can feel that. Yep. <laughs> is there regening health in this or? So it's got uh, kind of the best, depending on your perspective, either the best or worst of both worlds. <laughs> uh, you do have limited health, where when you take damage, it will not heal back up until you get uh, one of these health bags. That one, your character can carry either an ammo bag or a health bag. So uh, now that said, it also has uh, where your where your health is listed. There's a little white outline around your character, and when you take damage, that outline disappears. Once it's gone, then you're taking damage to your health. That outline, right. it's kind of like the shield in Halo. <laughs> right, and, it really is. Yeah. So if you see the outline go down, just crouch for a second, and it comes back quickly enough. Uh, so that regenerates, but otherwise your main health is a very limited pool, and once that gets down, you can be in serious trouble. So do you respawn, or is it more like rounds with Counter-Strike? Well, here's the It's cool a respawn, thing. yeah. Yeah, and the, the respawn, though, you've got four people. Uh, when somebody dies, uh, he will sit in jail for a prohibitively long amount of time. In reality, it's only like four minutes, but a lot can happen, and everybody's going to be stuck with, you know, you're going to be at a disadvantage being down one guy for four minutes. If you've killed civilians, your downtime is extended. So, however... If somebody gets killed and he's in jail, you can then take a neutral person hostage, or even a cop, actually, although I'm not clear how that works because the cops never – they don't seem to surrender very often. But you can no. take somebody hostage and then cash that person in for one of your dead party members, uh, and then they instantly respawn where you've taken the hostage. So neutral people are kind of a resource uh, for the number of lives you get for respawning. Um, it's you know what it's such a smart game and you know the gunplay might be a little pedestrian it's nothing super it's no like modern warfare three but it gets the job done but it's just it's it's just such a smart design and it has these really cool creatively envisioned levels uh, I just really like it I love the meta game advancement I'm right now I'm so close to getting uh, the big old heavy machine gun called a Brenner twenty one you know I probably need to grind like a few more uh, heists to get to it. Uh, but I love how that pulls you forward. Uh, so you, would you prefer this to Battlefield 3? Uh, they're very different kinds of experiences, Jeff, but ultimately I think so, in that I prefer the more cooperative 
uh, yeah. throw not not throwaway, but cooperative played in short bursts. That that's how payday works. Whereas Battlefield Three, there's a lot of cooperative stuff there. But Battlefield Three, you really have to invest in that you know that twenty thirty minute uh, session for a map. Um, you know, you you when you sit down to play Battlefield Three. I feel like you're there for like a while. You really need to invest in it. Payday, you can just sit down and do a couple of quick heists if you I want. See. Um, are you a Battlefield 3 guy, Jeff? Uh, I, I bought the game just to try a new graphics card. Uh, so you, uh, I, played, I played Battlefield 2 a bit. I didn't like it as much as Counter-Strike. That's the only real multiplayer shooter I really got into. So you didn't play like Left 4 Dead? You didn't get into that? No, and you know, Battlefield 3, it seems like the multiplayer is okay. It seems okay, but it's just like I would have to sink so much time into it, and I spent a lot of time just running and then getting shot. Oh, well, that I, is a downer. <laughs> yeah, I also played Battlefield Vietnam, and it was kind of the same way. It's just, uh, just you know that that's another thing too about paydays. There's none of that discouragement. I mean, you you're you're a tough guy. You're a bit of a bullet sponge. Uh, you, you know, if you're ever out of the game, people are going to want to get you back into the game as quickly as they can. So there's not a lot of downtime. Uh, and yeah. by the way, when there is downtime, I kind of like it. Like, there are times where the cops aren't attacking, and you're like, oh, God, they're going to be here any minute. You know, it's too quiet. What's going on? Like, I love the – the this, and Left 4 Dead 2 actually does this very well, that sort of tension and release, tension and release. You know, now crazy stuff has happened. Yeah. Now there's some downtime, and you know something crazy is coming. Uh, I, I like I like that, that pattern a lot, and Payday does that very well. Yeah, it has like the special units and stuff, which are yeah, definitely interesting. Yep. Um, but which I, I completely I equate to Left 4 Dead's uh, special infected uh, because they have kind of a tank character and everything. Um, they have a tank. They have a the equivalent of a uh, what's the guy with the tongue? I think the Taser guy. Uh, is kind of like the guy with the tongue. Smokers. Oh, uh, I hate the Taser. Yeah, the Smoker. They they ch- choke you with their tongue. Yeah. There's there's uh, no equivalent to the Hunter, I guess. Like nobody. There's no cop who jumps on. On you. Uh, well, you know what? That's, there is a, there's a cop. I'm not sure what he does. There's a cop that looks like Sam Fisher called a. I think they call him a cloaker. And I don't know if he can actually cloak, but he's wearing those. Oh, he can. Yeah, I've seen it. Like you, you. Uh, I've seen those guys. Yeah, so they cloak. He's actually running around invisible. That's not fair. Yeah, That's not you fair. can kind of see like an outline. Of, at least I'm, if I'm thinking of the right thing, I, I thought yeah, you could see kind of an outline. All right. Well, I don't think that's very fair at all. How do cops get that technology? That's that unrealistic. Fair. Yes. <laughs> all right. So, McMaster, I'm glad you picked that. Uh, I love Payday. It's uh, it's a really, I think, an underrated shooter. Uh, I heartily recommend it to anyone. It's got uh, great RPG mechanics, just great, uh, cool levels. Um, and if anyone wants to play, friend me on Steam. I'd I'd love to get into some more games of that. Yeah. No, I'll certainly play some. So I'll have to do that. All right. All right, McMaster, where are we now? Well, it looks like we're coming to the end of the little song and dance we do here in this business we call show. Hey, what was Jeff's game of the week? Uh, Final Fantasy XIII. Oh, yeah, that's right, because it was a demo. Right, right. It's not even yeah. a game. It's a demo of the week. Right, okay. Yeah. <laughs> but we, we went down a whole Final Fantasy road. Right, Jeff. Um, but yes, that, uh, that leads us to the end of the show. So, McMaster, who's joining us next week? Oh, Lord. Well, the pinball wizard herself, I believe. Yeah, Sarah McMaster, my wife, is joining us next week. Yeah. Is her game of the week going to be a pinball game? You know, I don't know. She plays a like. Oh, God. She's been obsessed with Din's Curse since I introduced her to it recently. And, uh... uh. 
she uh, is also pretty obsessed with Minecraft and Terraria, so who knows? Who knows? Uh, Jeff, have you gotten into the whole uh, pinball? Have you been infected by the pinball bug? Not at all. <laughs> it's a shame. Jeff, yeah, Jeff, did you did you have to take a vaccination for that or what? Because I would love to not be infected by the pinball bug. What, yeah. how, does, how does that work, Jeff? Uh, I, 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 I don't know what. Well, I never was. I never when I was when I went, used to go to arcades. Pinball never really impressed me that much. Uh, in the arcades either, so I don't. Maybe that's it. Oh yeah, I mean, I don't really particularly love the arcade version of pinball. I like the one I can sit on my couch and play. It has crazy animated dudes in it. Uh, yeah. So Jeff, don't whatever you do, do not get pinball FX two because I can't guarantee that you will not get infected by the pinball bug. Okay. Um, it's right. a it's a good time. Uh, yeah, Sarah's all crazy about us. She's at the top of a bunch of lists now. I'm, I'm well aware of that. You don't have to remind me. <laughs> yes, yes, it's a sad time. She, oh, she, she left me in the dust quite some time ago. Um, but yes, Sarah McMaster is next week. And um, also, I guess at that point, we'll be talking about games and news and posts of the week. Mm, good. So, Jeff, thank you for uh, joining us this week. I've appreciated you uh, hanging out with us. Thanks. I had fun. Uh, and anytime you are up from San Diego, when's the last time, Jeff, you were in Los Angeles proper? This weekend, my uh, parents wanted to go to uh, Universal Studios with me and a distant relative. So. <laughs> oh, how did that work out? Uh, you know what? I haven't been to Universal Studios in a while. Well, you know what? I've been there for their Halloween thing, but what what was that like, Jeff, Going to, doing the Universal Studio thing with the parents? Uh, it was okay. Uh, did, did, I guess I would recommend the Terminator 2 3D thing. That was pretty good. There's like a mummy roller coaster, which I didn't try. Um, Captain EO. Yeah, no, that's Disneyland, I guess. <laughs> but, that's Disney World, I think. Yeah, uh, the animal show is actually surprisingly good. Don't go to the special effects show. <laughs> What's wrong with the special effects show? It was lame. Oh, okay. <laughs> Fair enough. Uh, all right, and did you go to uh, Hollywood Boulevard and see the Man's Chinese Theater and all the stars on the sidewalk? Did your parents force you to do that? No, uh, I did that before. My my cousin showed me that for. Uh, oh, it's so my, horribly disappointing. <laughs> yeah, I didn't think it was that great. Oh, oh, and I forgot Universal Studios. We did the tram ride, of course. I guess you have to do that if you go there. The uh, the kind of the guy, the tram guy. He sounded like he'd done that too many times because I could kind of I could hear the forced enthusiasm in his voice. Those uh, those tram rides for help. The plea for help, and, and a lot of those guys, I think, are uh, like they're they're, they're I, I don't want to be mean here, but I think a lot of them intended to be actors, and they end up instead having to do the same script over and over several times a day on the tram ride. I kind of the feel Termin- sorry for them. Yeah, the Terminator Two 3D ride it had an actress playing this like part as the corporate sports spokesperson for Skynet or whatever, or, or Cyberdyne Systems. So she seemed like. I kind of felt I kind of had that uh, mean thought too when I saw her. Well, the thing about that is, though, Jeff, like those guys, like that's a regular, steady gig. Uh, I had a friend of mine who lived in an apartment building, and the manager of the apartment building 
played uh, John Belushi in, oh, it was Universal Studios has some like musical number that has the Blues Brothers as one of the characters. And this guy's gig, he made a living doing, you know, eight, eight shows a week or whatever, just showing up to do the little John Belushi role in their uh, musical number. And, it's, you know, that's that's L.A. for you. It's, people get jobs doing that kind of stuff. Uh, and they had a guy who... who- he was playing Norman Bates. He was outside the Psycho Hotel. Oh, and all he did all day was like, he just like, he was putting a body in the trunk of the car. Then when he sees the tram, he kind of, at the last second, he dashes towards it with a knife drawn. And like, that's his job. Over and over and over. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> uh, let me ask you this, Jeff. Is the is the the rubber shark still there? Because I saw that they were retiring it, I guess, in Florida. Uh, do they still have the shark jump out of the tram? They still have Jaws come out, but it's, it's not like a surprise or anything. I remember that from the 80s. Uh, yeah, it's still there. Uh, now, I think we also... Uh, if I'm not mistaken, I think King Kong burned down. We had a fire in the tram ride. Uh, is is that rebuilt? Is there a King Kong section? The, the big animatronic King Kong, he, he's long gone. I don't know okay. what happened to him. Yeah, he burned up, I believe. He was like from the late 1970s movie is why he was there originally. They still have the earthquake. Instead, they now have a thing that's taken from uh, Peter Jackson's remake where like you go into this tunnel and they project... Uh, this kind of CGI scene onto the screens and rotate it while hydraulics are kind of jostling the tram around. So it looks like you're inside the movie. Mm. Wait, what movie? <laughs> oh, the Peter Jackson King Kong movie you're saying? Yeah. Right, right, right. Ugh. Yeah, I think the animatronic one went up in smoke. I feel sorry for the poor fella. Uh. Uh, all right, so uh, next time you're up in L.A., let me know. Come geek out with us, and I will show you Payday the Heist. I'll, I'll get you hooked on that. Yeah, maybe. And you can help me level up some of my characters. I can always use a hand with that. (laughs) Come on, you're an RPG guy. You should be enthusiastic about that. Don't you love going from level 1 to level 2 to level 3? That's in your blood, Jeff. You can't deny it. Yeah. (laughs) All right. Yeah. It's in all of our bloods. I think that we've all been bitten by that bug. Uh, all right, so uh, that is the quarter to three games podcast for this week. Uh, on behalf of myself and Jason McMaster and Jeff, we appreciate you joining us. If you are listening, I know there's more than 12 of you out there. Please rate us on iTunes. We love that. Uh, we've gotten 12, 14. We've gotten several folks doing that, and thank you. But we'd like more of you to do that. We will be your best friend. And Jason McMaster will come over to your house and will sing a, a selection of songs from Les Miserables if you rate us on iTunes. Isn't that right, Jason McMaster? Yeah, of course. How could I not? <laughs> and also, congratulations to Jeff for winning this week's Stump Jason V. McMaster <laughs> contest. Congratulations, Jeff. Uh, your trophy is in the mail. It's quite an honor. Thanks. <laughs> All right, everyone. Thanks very much. Bye-bye. Bye.